And so we continue in our series through his letter to the church at Rome, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 6 this time. And we'll be reading the first 14 verses in a few moments. And what Paul is addressing uh, here in chapter 6 is really um, the reality that we heard in chapter 5. He expands on it uh, through Adam, our first father, and his uh, partner Eve. Through them came sin into the world. And that sin was passed on, inherited from generation to generation, irresistibly uh, tarnishing and staining the human race. But the joy is that through Christ we can know life. That that death is replaced by life. That the sin and hopelessness that we know in Adam is replaced by joy and hope in Christ. And so he continues into chapter 6 to encourage the church to fight the good fight of faith. I mean, that, those are words from elsewhere in his letters. That's effectively what he's doing here. He's saying, if you're alive in Christ, then you're dead to sin. You're to be fighting a war against sin in your life. You're to be taking God's side. And so I want to ask the question at the outset this morning. Are you dead or alive? Are you dead or alive? You may think you're alive because you came here this morning, because you drove your car here this morning, because you ate breakfast this morning. I hope you're familiar with Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones. I've mentioned it from time to time. And in his vision, this prophet Ezekiel, uh, the Lord asks him, Son of man, can these bones live, this valley full of dead, dry, useless bones? Ezekiel 37, verse 3. Can they live? Or can they? Can we really live? I wonder if you know the Lord's empowerment to bring your weak frame to life. I don't mean life that merely goes through the motions, sleeping, walking, eating, moving. I mean really and truly living with a quickened conscience and passion for life that overcomes the dreariness of winter, the darkness of the soul and the emptiness of trying to satisfy ourselves with material things. Do you? The Apostle Paul is so passionate that the church of Jesus Christ comes to truly know the gospel. Not, not just knowing it so that they can describe it by rote, but so that it becomes the engine of their lives. The fuel for their fire that keeps them going each and every day, that motivates them, that drives them to the cross day after day after day. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the life-changing empowerment of knowing Jesus as Saviour and Lord as he releases us, releases us 
from trying to save ourselves. As he quenches the fires of hell for believers. And as he humbles and softens us to become malleable and useful in his hands. Able to reach others in their need. Not simply obsessed with our own. I just want to park there just for a minute. Not simply obsessed with our own need. Many churches across the land are preaching therapeutic deism, which panders to the individual's needs, because that's all people can see, my needs. Oh, we have needs, friends, for sure. God knows how to satisfy them. And God then knows how to overflow into others' lives. We're not here to massage ourselves. We're here to be fed with the truth of the Lord. In the middle of January 2023, are we spiritually dead or alive in Christ? Are we putting to death the unrighteousness of selfish desires? Are we seeking to escape the flesh and its many weaknesses by putting on Christ? Is that your New Year's resolution to put on Christ? To know life in all its fullness. So let us continue our journey with Paul as he expounds further on this wondrous gospel and its abundant fruitfulness in our lives. Lives redeemed by Jesus. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Glory, friends. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life 
and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Friends, that's what it means to be under grace. To be pursuing Christ and his way, his will in your life. As we unpack it this morning, we're going to look at uh, three uh, points, three Ds. Firstly, dying to sin. Secondly, delighting in God. And thirdly, deciding to take his side, God's side. All right, dying to sin, delighting in God, and deciding to take God's side. The famous 17th century pastor John Owen famously said, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. That is a wise statement of truth, which is taken from amongst other places from Romans chapter 6, as we've just read. This gets right at the core of what our brother Uh, Paul is calling the church to hear and to do in chapter 6 of his great masterpiece, this letter to the church at Rome. You see, friends, as Christians, the old has gone and the new has come. New life in Christ. This is what Paul was talking about at the end of chapter 5. We've all been born in Adam. This means we unavoidably follow him down the path of sinful obedience, disobedience, sorry, preferring our own way instead of God's way. And since we've all been born of this line, we are all children of Adam and Eve. This is why we must be born again. As Jesus says uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 7. There must be a reawakening brought and served to us as a gift. Just as surely as we have nothing to do with our first birth, we have nothing to do with our rebirth. It is all of grace, the wonderful saving grace of our loving God. Well, much is made of this grace. Rightly so. Because without it, we would be helplessly lost. We would be doomed to spend our short existence chasing after more and more stuff, trying to satisfy ourselves. Stuff which never can satisfy us. See, there's a God-shaped hole in each of us that only He knows how to fill Have you found full satisfaction for your soul? The new and living life in Christ that like the Apostle Paul says will sustain you through rejection, through beatings, through imprisonment, through shipwreck and disaster. I mean who and what could sustain you? Who has sustained you through trials and hardships of every kind? Just think back. 
Think back to the last 10 years, the ways in which the Lord has been gracious to you. I think you'll struggle, struggle to number them. Much is made of grace. Yet sadly, so many have taken the wondrous gift of grace and turned it into a license to indulge the flesh, to excuse all manner of sin which leads only to death, as John Owen rightly recognised. Oh no, dear friend, if you are a child of Christ here this morning, you are most deeply aware of how close to hellfire you came. Jesus snatched you from the fire. He snatched you from the jaws of death by paying the unimaginably high price that you and I could not pay. The price to satisfy the righteous wrath of holy God against your impulsive and instinctive desires to chase after iniquity. To chase things which are moral poison to your very souls. But the grace of God broke through and saved us. Praise God. For his wondrous grace. Yet we dare to use that same grace to excuse our continuing wrongdoing. By no means, says Paul. The grace of God is is marvellously deep, but it should never be a license to excuse a carefree attitude to sin. Notice I say our sin. Friend, it is our business to examine ourselves and see if we are in the faith. It is our business to take the plank from our eye first to see clearly to help our friend with their splinter. That's That's not just a nice anecdote. From a parable. That's a real Christian discipline and practice. We are to do those things. Because left in place, what happens to a splinter? You ever had a nasty splinter? I'm not talking about just a little tiny, little barely recognizable thing that will just drop out by its own accord. I'm talking about a serious splinter. A splinter very soon becomes infected. First it affects the hand, then it affects the arm. Eventually sepsis or gangrene threatens the very existence of life itself. Friends, we should be all about withdrawing the splinters in our lives. Spiritual splinters. So let us realise, friends, that we're on a journey. We're in a race. We are waging a war against the sin which clings so closely, as Paul says in Hebrews 12, verse 1. To kill it and bury it, just as our precious Saviour was killed and buried in a cold, hard tomb. For us. Friends, let us, as Paul so kindly exhorts us, let us be serious about our calling to walk in newness of life. 
And now, at the start of a, of a new year, is as good a time as any to set our stall out and be reminded to do that. Let us find our delight in God and not anything else. Hope is not found in a great and glittering career. Hope is not found in a, a marvellous holiday home that you seek to escape to at every opportunity. Hope is not found in a nice new car with a service agreement so you don't have to worry about anything going wrong with it. It's found in God. Let's delight in God together. For if we truly know unity with the Lord Jesus, we know that all we once were in our unashamed rebellion and all that still remains of our fleshly unrighteousness, all of that, friends, belongs in the grave. Belongs in the grave. Our old self, with all its craftiness and self-seeking cravings, was nailed to the cross of Jesus as he suffered and died for us. Yet if we're honest with ourselves, we know that the process of that mortification, the process of that putting to death of that flesh in us, is a gradual process. As Paul says in verse 6, the body of sin must be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. How are we doing with bringing it to nothing? Well, I want to give you good news today that God's grace is enough for you. If you're still here, if you're still breathing, you have another opportunity to seek his grace, to seek his help, to put that sin to death where it belongs, in the grave, never to see the light of day again. Because the light has come into this world, dear friends. And he has made us new creations. We are in the process of being perfected, being matured, coming to life in him, being alive in Christ. Both a declaration that he has already saved us and granted us eternal life, but also that that salvation is active still. That sanctification process is ongoing. It brings results. It bears fruit. It has an impact. And so what fruit are you seeking to cultivate this year, 2023? Some of you know that Yoko and I have an allotment. She's, uh, I think she's gone to the Sunday school, but I could say it's actually uh, Emmeline's allotment as well. <laughs> she, uh, she loves helping us down at the allotment when we're over there, and uh, Yoko and I are massively thankful for that. Just as we're thankful for each and every one of you, your help in the various ministries here at Freedom's Baptist Church. What are you seeking to grow? Uh, some of you had the pro some of the produce from our allotment last year. Uh, and hopefully there might be some more this year, uh, Lord willing. 
But if we're to be fruitful again this year, we need to get started removing weeds and digging over the soil to make it yield a further crop. It won't do it by itself, friends. We must get to work. And we must get to work with God's programme as well. So in the same way, if we are now alive to God in Christ, verse 11, it is in him that we delight. He is the cornerstone and the motivating force in all that we do. Jesus is the first consideration in all our decisions. Where we work, where we live, where we'll spend our leisure and our holiday time. Jesus is the first consideration, friends. In each and every one of those situations. If we delight in his precepts. In his word. Can you say that about yourself? What do we delight in? Are we so easily swayed by the fleeting and false delights of this world? Is the allure of the advertising world and the neighbour's new car still causing us to wrestle with greed? Friends, if we are Christ's, then we believe that we will live with him, verse 8. That Christ, having been raised from the dead, will never die again. And so we too will live forever with him. Do you believe that? Later on in chapter 10 of Paul's letter, Paul says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that means believe in the core of your being, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? We can all do that, can't we? But you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. Friends, that is a promise from God. I want to encourage you to believe it. Put your trust in the risen Lord. Because whether or not we believe that in our hearts determines which direction we are travelling. The life of warring against our flesh, seeing victory over sin and death in our lives, or the slow and agonising destruction of our souls. It is that serious. I do you no favours to gloss over the truth. And so Paul says to the church, right? He's writing this letter to the church at Rome. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make it obey its passions, verse 12. Do not let it. Surely the singular greatest resolution any of us can make in 2023 is to pursue this great calling. Because so much blessing comes through men and women, redeemed sinners like you and me, who once were instruments of wickedness now instruments of righteousness in the hands of Almighty God. Praise the Lord. Verse 13. 
And so let's decide to take God's side. Let's die to sin, let's delight in the Lord, and let's decide to take his side against our sin. The decision, friends, is ours. What is God asking you to do? Will you take God's side against your sin? Because it really is that simple. In each and every situation we find ourselves in, are we allowing sin to reign? Or are we allowing Christ to reign? King Jesus. He is a king. He really is a king of the greatest kingdom creation has ever known. Just as in a marriage to your spouse, if you're married here today, just as in your marriage to your spouse, you choose to love your spouse each and every day, don't you? I hope you do. As I look around, there's a few slightly more reluctant to acknowledge that than others. You choose to love your spouse each day. Well, there's a mystical union, friends, between Christ and his church. And that mystical union is compared in Scripture to the union between a man and a woman in Christian marriage. And just as a man and a woman choose their spouse every day, if they're wise, if they're growing in their marriage, if they're putting down firm foundations, they choose their spouse every day. Let us, dear friends, choose Christ. Let us choose him each and every day. I wonder if a tally was kept of our thoughts and actions. Everything that we did, every time we did something that was prioritizing our sinful, selfish self, right? On one side there's a tally being kept every time we pandered to our sinful desires. versus choosing God's way. I wonder which side would win. God surely knows, dear friends. And that's why it's good that his grace is so deep, is so great. Praise the Lord. Now, friends, this is not at all when I'm saying about a tally, right? Our iniquity versus our righteousness. It's not to say that we can earn our salvation at all if we just have more godly decisions and actions than sinful ones. No. None of us can wash away the stain of sin. Only Jesus can accomplish that at the cross. That is why the whole Bible is either in the Old Testament, a promise for Jesus to come or a testimony of that promise fulfilled in Christ. That's why we've got four Gospels, dear friends. Christ has come. Christ has come. Christ has come. Christ has come and done everything necessary to save you and me. Paul says in chapter 6, and this is an indicative statement It is already true of the believer. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law 
but under grace. Verse 14. If you're a Christian here today, that is you. Sin does not have dominion over you anymore. Praise God. The grace of our almighty and loving God through the actions of his son Jesus at the cross have made complete victory, not just possible, but assured if we're his today. Because we rest on Christ's righteousness and not our own law-keeping, the controlling principle in the Christian life is the reign of grace that sets us free from the reign of sin and makes us increasingly like Jesus. That's what it does. Paul wants us to realise that in our lives. Paul wants the church at Rome to grow in that righteousness. Whether they're Jews or Gentiles, whether they're pagans, whether they've lived a formerly scandalous life, in anyone's eyes, instruments of righteousness. As Christians, since the Lord has accomplished and paid so much for us, we are surely now motivated to be concerned primarily to pursue God's way and not our own. We are meant to prioritise God's priorities. We are meant, as we said earlier on, to delight most of all, most deeply within, in knowing God with us. And so how can you deepen your experience of that this year? What book are you reading that will help inspire a deepening love for God and his ways? Which of your brothers or sisters are you meeting to encourage and be encouraged by each week in your walks with Jesus. If other things are our real priority, if indulging our flesh is what really floats our boat, then maybe we need to seek salvation all over again. Where are you at? Are you sitting on the fence, waiting? like the strikers, for your offer to be improved? Are you not yet sick of sinning? I don't know about you, friend, but I'm sick and tired of sin. Sick and tired of sin. Let's go to the Saviour who has unlimited resources of grace and power to help us make a real stride forward this year. Come to Jesus, whoever you are, and he will transform your 2023. He will transform your life. And you will never look back. Let's bow our heads in prayer.